Oh my gosh, welcome back. Okay, I know it's only been like a week or two. I think it's been two weeks. Has it been two weeks? But I feel like it's been a lifetime. Can I tell you the life that has been lived in the last few weeks? School ending, VBS camp with the kids, and the therapy revelations. Y'all don't even know. This episode is about to, I can't even... Like, how long will this be? I don't know. I do not think I can fit this into 30 minutes. Um, I'm currently taking off my shoes because this requires me to just, like, be ready for anything. Oh, excuse me. Where's my professionalism gone? As always, it's flown out the window. So let's just start with Welcome to After Hours with Amanda, the podcast that's about parenting and the parenting journey, but for people on the journey of human life. I think we're going to stick with that one, right? Like, This podcast is about the journey of human life and where I'm on it with parenting. So I have an iced tea. I am ready to jump in. Um, Can we talk for a second, though? If you're in Northern California, Sacramento proper, can we just talk about Dante's ninth circle with this weather? I'm talking triple digits. We got a break from Monday to Thursday. It's about to go right stinking back up to triple digits. Thank God my in-laws have a pool and my sister-in-law has a pool and people we know have a pool because I will be melting by it most weekends. I'm not kidding you. Also, Blake's wish is finally coming true. He is getting his garage cabinets. That man, we've moved into this house five years ago and it has been a dream, right? And finally, mm, He's getting his garage cabinets, and I think it's called hypoxy. Is it hypoxy? Hypoxy flooring. He is ready for it. He also is getting, and I say he, it benefits me, obviously, organizationally to be married to someone that's into that. I am a, I know where everything is, but no one else could find it if they tried. Like, I can't, if you call me and you're like, hey, man, I'm looking for this in your house. I'm like, all right, get a pen and paper. Here are eight possible locations. You call Blake, hey, where is this in your house? He's going to say, go upstairs, second drawer, go down, back left-hand corner. It should be right there. But if it's not there, panic will ensue with him. If something's not where I put it, I inevitably believe it's not lost. It's just not found yet. Um, Sort of like people. None of us are lost. We might just not really be found yet. Okay, so where do I begin? Where do I begin? We know I've been in therapy. We know we've been doing an EMDR. Now, I want to say like the last parenting movie episode, like that was solely focused on the correlation of just parenting and hook. This episode, I am going to get super intimate with you guys. And I'm going to talk about a revelation I had in therapy and the movie that literally popped it off while I was in the session. I don't know if you're ready for this because when it happened, I certainly was not, but I made a TikTok about this. Um, So for those of you that have seen that, you're going to know where I'm going with this, but I just feel the need to share this as someone would say in an email. I feel the need to share this broadly (laughs) because it was so groundbreaking for me as a person, Uh, someone going through trauma, recovering from trauma, having experienced trauma, like this was so groundbreaking. And I want to encourage you today. I want to say this. I get a lot of questions. Where do you start with therapy? How do you start therapy? I would say the best place to start, if you know someone who's in therapy, ask them if their therapist can recommend people, right? Because a lot of times when our friends are going to therapists, like they may not want you going to the therapist, right? That's their safe space. And if they're having moments, like that might feel invasive to them. So that's where I started. I had a friend 
uh, Kate, who was brave enough to tell me like, dude, some of the stuff you're saying sounds like you might need to like revisit therapy again. Um, and I lovingly was like, nah, girl, I'm good. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, Ooh, she may have had a point. And my best friend, Cindy was like, girl, she had a point. And my husband was like, Amanda, she had a point. And five months, almost six months later, y'all, they had a point. So, um, I'm going to share this with you now. And we are going to dive right into it. Um, I do want to note, though, we went to the Jelly Belly Factory this week, and it was a good time. I forgot how fun Fairfield, California was at the Jelly Belly Factory. And the last time I visited there, I was for sure in fifth grade. Um, Also, I had no idea what a belly flop was. And I missed out on them once again, which means I will need to now with this new information being educated, have to visit the Jelly Belly Factory because I cannot live my life without having a bag of belly flops. I want the Jelly Bellies nobody wanted. I want the imperfect ones that don't fit the perfect mold. Like, you know where I'm at. Um, So I need that. I need that in my life immediately. I'm talking like I need to revisit there before the summer comes to an end. So let's get into it. Okay. Let's set the scene. Amanda's at a therapy session. Now I'm going to share without sharing too much, obviously. Um, but who knows, who knows where this is going to take us. Okay. So grab a drink, grab your laundry pile, get ready for your walk, put on your sneakers, start your homework, whatever you're at, because we are about to get into it. You know how I tell my kids, I don't like the statement, get over it. We get into it so we can get through it so we can go over it, right? Like we don't just get over things. We move into them so we can go through them. So here we go. So I'm in therapy, right? I'm in the session with my therapist and we're we're chatting, we're talking. And if you didn't know, I'm doing EMDR, um, which is like light therapy. So it's, it's just this light bar that they put in front of you and it starts ticking and you're following the light. And it's almost as if following the light occupies, and do not quote me on this, y'all. I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist. I say this in every episode. This is like unwarranted, unqualified, just personal life experience being shared and advice. So take it, leave it, borrow. It's all good. So I'm doing EMDR. And when you follow that light, I would say for me, it occupies your conscious enough so your subconscious can have things bubble up as you're going. And she's asking questions during it to kind of bubble up thoughts. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But what's so crazy, what has been so crazy for me from my experience is as I'm sitting there and it doesn't really feel like, you know, anything magical is happening. It's not hypnosis, right? Like I don't feel like these things are just erupting and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, whoa. And that's my experience. It might be for other people. But as we're moving through this, it's so interesting to me how I will start the therapy session with this one memory that we're walking through, right? Like a smaller trauma, right? We're starting there. Something from high school, something that seems very um, trivial in my mind. No trauma is obviously trivial. It all impacts us. But the trauma that we're talking about on the level of other traumas I could be talking about, it feels so level one compared to like the level 10 and 12s out of 10 that I have. Okay. Um, and so we're sitting and we're talking. What's so interesting is I end up always in this one moment. And then somehow I am on the North 40. I am 800, 360, 2000 degrees somewhere else. And I'm thinking to myself, how did we start here and get there? But like, there's this really cool beauty in it. Okay. So I am a big fan of EMDR. Um, but it is messy. When I say it is messy, I say that it can like stir up stuff, okay? 
Um, so you obviously want someone that you're comfortable with. And in EMDR, you create kind of like a safe place for you. So if things start to flood you emotionally, you can return to that space. Um, shockingly, I'll share with you my safe space. It's a closet, (laughs) which is literally just like so in step with my life because since I was a little kid, whenever I felt overwhelmed, I have always physically gone to a closet. It is like my fortress of solitude. It's, we've talked about this before. I'm literally sitting in my closet right now recording this podcast episode because of that. But we're talking about trauma, right? And I am just talking to her about, we're not doing EMDR in this session. We've done EMDR several sessions prior. And so I come into this session and I'm like, I just want to do talk therapy. I need a break today. Um, she's like, obviously that's okay. Let's, let's chat through some things. And I, I explained to her and I'll tell you openly and vulnerably, um, I was having some irrational fears about death. I say irrational because I, it's not that I am, a, I, I don't think death can happen, right? Like I'm not irrationally afraid of death, but I am irrationally afraid to die and leave life right now. Okay. So we're sitting there and it's not, and again, like, I think people get very funny about this because I'm a Christian and I, we've shared this before. We've talked about my journey. If you haven't, you can reference that episode. It's losing my religion um, and basically like gaining my relationship. But people, I think, I I think there's this weird belief that if you're a Christian, you don't have some question, like, I don't want to die, right? Like I get it. Heaven's a cool place, but right now here feels pretty good too. Um, and I don't think that there should be shame in that. And I know that a lot of people might disagree with that, but I don't believe that, you know, anything that's unknown can be fearful, even if it's supposed to be the most amazing thing in the entire world, right? Which is heaven in my eyes. But, and there's people that I love there that I want to go visit and that I want to see, but that doesn't mean I'm ready to go right now. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in feeling like that, right? So I'm going through this like moment of chatting with her and we're talking about why I'm fearful. Like Amanda, why, what is bringing this up? Why are you fearful of death in like this fearful way where I get a cramp in my leg and I'm like, oh my God, is that a blood clot? Is that going to go up? Is that going to cause a heart attack? Um, I have a migraine. Is that a brain tumor? Like these things that just are, um, they're just coming from a place that is not good. And I, of course, equate that to, I just believe it comes from, you know, the devil. <laughs> I feel like that fear is easy to capture in people and it, you know, benefits him to take hold of it, right? So again, and I, I appreciate my therapist because even though she does have a Christian background, she won't spiritualize things in the moment. And sometimes I appreciate that because as much as I love the Lord, as much as I believe in the light and the dark, sometimes I just need to talk through that without the guilt of feeling like my faith is somehow in question. And I think that there should be a freedom in that. And again, personal opinion, you totally might disagree with this. I might get an angry DM about how I wasn't being, you know, faith-filled enough, but like, that's life. Like, that's how I feel. That is real. So I'm telling her this and I'm saying, you know, it's, I'm having these thoughts and these fears and I don't want to die. And I'm just not like, it's not where I want. And to give you background on why, again, one of my friends, I was voicing this concern to Kate again, God love that, that person, that woman, I call her a woman, but in my mind, we're like kids. So I say person, but God love her. Um, she had said, it's totally legitimately normal that you would have this because If you um, know anything about my mom, my mom died overnight. I had a phone conversation with my mom. We were going out of town prepping for our first anniversary. She was going to watch our dog. Um, I talked to her at 1030 at night and I got a call at four in the morning from my dad 
So in the span of six hours, I think that's six hours. Let's see, 10 to 11, 11, 12, 12 to 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, yeah, six hours. In the span of six hours, her life was gone. And I had talked to her and there had not been a warning. There had not been a sickness. There had been nothing. Like my mom had an autoimmune disease and different things like that. But at this point, there was literally nothing happening. Like not, I don't feel well, nothing. Okay. Forward to literally 10 years later, or let's see, let's see, my mom died. She's 11. Is two, yeah. Nine years later, excuse me. Nine years later, I end up having a phone conversation with my brother and in under 24 hours, he's dead. And I'm getting a call at three in the morning from my dad, or actually he called Blake both times. So, and Adam had his struggles, but at that point, there was nothing setting us off that this should have happened. Okay. So this idea of going to bed and not waking up or this belief of hanging up with someone and not talking to them again, that's ingrained in my trauma. Like that is real to me, that fear. That, so that plays into, just to give you insight, into a lot how I parent. Because I take every moment in my mind and is it helpful? Yes. Is it not helpful in some moments? Yes. Um, can I guarantee I'm going to capitalize on every moment? No, I can't because I'm a human being. But it does motivate me in the sense of when the kids say something or ask for something or those tiny people are asking me, I'm like, Amanda, center yourself here. What if, right? And is that kind of negative? It can be a bummer, but it's just what kind of goes on in my mind. So I'm telling her this about, I don't want to have a brain tumor. I don't have a blood clot. You know, I don't want to get in a car wreck. I don't want to, you know, die from X, Y, Z or whatever. And she says to me, well, what do you, why, why do you think that something bad's going to happen? And I look at her and it was in that moment, unfiltered, unwarranted, not even thinking about it. And I don't know if you can hear my tiny humans in the background there in the next room playing. But without even prompting, I looked at her and I was like, life's just too good. Now, I don't know. How, I can't, of course, in this episode, put into it what the last, like, what the last 10 years have been, what the last 20 years have been. But every time something really good has been going on, there has always been a level of sadness. Um, every, everything, and I say this, everything is, and that's very extreme. It's such an absolute. Okay. But really growing up too, when things were good, I would call it the other shoe would always drop. It would always show up in one way or another, something little to disrupt. I would begin to feel that joy, that happy. I would lean into it. And the minute I leaned into it, it would feel like the floor fell out from underneath me. And so I just learned, don't get excited about things. Don't get excited. Don't, don't believe it until it happens, right? Like we're going to Disneyland um, the, like the last week of July, like July 23rd through 27th or something. And I am trying to now, having the realization I'm going to share with you, remind myself to be happy about that. Because I normally in my mind would say, don't get excited about that. <laughs> Amanda, that is 28 days, not that I'm counting, 28 days away. Why would you get excited about that? So going back to the conversation with my therapist, we're sitting there and she goes, well, something bad has to happen. Let's, let's look at that, right? Because she's just prompting. She doesn't really tell me what to say or how to feel. And I love her for that. The way she prompts me is very thought provoking and I appreciate her for it. And I said, well, that's just like it, something bad's going to happen. Like the other shoe will drop. And she's like, well, what if you leaned into the happy? And I was like, literally before she could even finish her sentence, y'all, I'm like, that's so stupid. 
<laughs> she's like, okay, okay. So I said, how naive. That is so naive. Lean into the happy. Okay, lean into the happy. So what? I said, that is ignorant. Like, of course, you're going to lean in in the minute you do. And she's like, okay. And as I'm sitting there, right? And I am a very joyful, positive person, right? But this sounds real pessimistic, right? But it's not. Because to me, there's so many situations that prove this point to me again and again and again and again and again, right? It is naive for me to lean into that happy, to believe in that good, because I just know inevitably something will disrupt it. And that's what I'm believing at my core. Okay. Now, did I know that this was at my core? No, I actually, at this point, am kind of having this like very disruptive moment in my mind. And she looks at me and she goes, that must be so contradictory for who you are. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it is, it's very contradictory. She goes, the way that you treat your tiny people. And, and I love that she refers to them like that too, because that's how we talk about them. She goes, the way that you refer to your tiny people, your children, the way that you treat other people, that encourages you to lean into the happy. And yet you are, you must be so conflicted. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, oh my gosh, holy cow. I am so conflicted. And so we're talking through this and here is where Harry Potter comes in. Okay. I know y'all have been waiting for <laughs> here at the moment. Harry Potter comes in after this brief commercial break. We're going to talk about it. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Could, you? Could you imagine if I did a commercial break? No, y'all, if I ever put a commercial in this podcast, it's going to go at the end. So if you actually want to support that you can't, oh my gosh, do you know what happened though? Okay, wait, let's pause on this for a moment. I'm going to get to the Harry Potter revelation. Do you know what happened this last week? I didn't even know could happen. So on the way you, like wherever you listen to my podcast, I didn't know. I think it's on Spotify specifically. Someone like subscribed monthly to pay $5 a month for the podcast. I about pooped my pants. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, it was like, you got a new supporter of After Hours with Amanda. And I was like, I'm sorry, What? what? Someone, someone, $5. Like, and I was like, you don't have to pay for the podcast. Like you don't need to do that. But like in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, someone was like, I want to give this podcast $5 a month. And I about poop myself. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, back to Harry Potter. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden it is as if my brain explodes. I'm not kidding you. I'm sitting there. My hands go up. I go, oh my God. And my therapist is like, what? I'm like, and and at this moment, I needed her to say yes to this question so bad. I'm like, have you seen Harry Potter? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Now, I want to warn you right now. This is a spoiler. If you have not seen Harry Potter, I'm going to ruin something for you. Okay? It's going to get ruined. So don't listen. Because I cannot carry the weight of your disappointment of me ruining this for you. Okay? So if you haven't seen it, go watch all of the Harry Potters um, and then come back. <laughs> but here we go. So here's what I say to her. I say, do you remember when Harry Potter is little and Lord V, show, yes, we're going to refer to him as Lord V. He who shall not be named shall remain nameless in this podcast. So Lord V shows up and he, you know, he takes out both parents. Okay. And he goes into Harry and boom, he's like lights out for this kid. But 
Harry lives. And he lives with that mark, that scar, right? The lightning bolt, which plays into who he is. His entire identity, when that character enters in, is literally formed by the fact that he is the one that Lord V could not take out and he is marked by that scar. Okay, I want you to hold on to this with me. I'm going to try and not segue during this entire thing for my train of thought. Okay, so Harry has this scar and my belief has always been. And if you are a purist with Harry Potter, I'm so sorry. I I, like this is how I interpreted it. So if this doesn't align, I understand people are passionate about this, but I just need you to like roll with me on the perspective of this. Okay. So for me, Harry Potter has been so framed by this scar. I truly believe that that was so much of what protected him, right? Like he could feel when Lord V was near. He could sense him, right? He could he could feel him. And eventually it got to the point where we he could hear him. He was whispering in his ear, right? He was saying these things to him and Harry couldn't keep him out. And Harry could not figure out that he couldn't keep him out. He didn't know he couldn't keep him out. He's like, why is he getting, I don't want him here. I need him out. I need him out, right? So then he starts working with Snape, okay? And he's trying to, you know, build his mind, build that willpower, right? Fighting so hard to strengthen himself against this voice so he can fight it, right? Because he can't keep it out and he doesn't know how to keep it out. And that negativity and that that darkness, it's its coming in and it's getting at him, right? And Harry can't get away from it, right? So then it brings you to Deathly Hollows too. And there's that scene where it's lights out for Harry, right? Like we're watching it and it's lights out. And in that moment, like I remember audibly gasping. I was like, <gasps> and he goes to what I remember, honestly, and I should have rewatched it again because I haven't seen it in like a year, to that like train station. You know, it's like the place you come and you go and you leave or whatever. And Dumbledore's there. And if I told you my love for Dumbledore, like, I mean, who doesn't love, like, so much love. And he's sitting there. And Harry comes and he's talking to him and they're having this conversation. And then all of a sudden, you notice under the bench, like, this shriveled, terrible, like, not even human, like, little thing, right? And we learn that that is the part of Lord V that has been in Harry, okay, that has been a part of him, basically. And that for Harry to live, he could not have lived if that had not died because he had to die to kill it. And I'm telling my therapist this and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her. She's like, I have chills. And I am like, my mind is literally exploding. And I said, oh my God gosh. She's like, what? And I'm like, the scar. I said, I have been living because of the trauma. And I get emotional because this was such a breakthrough for me. This was so incredible for me. I have been living in this state of trauma, in this state of scar tissue, in this state of having to have those scars protect me, but I'm not in that trauma anymore. But I'm living as if I'm still in it. I'm reacting as if I'm still in it. I'm treating every situation that's brought to me as if I'm still in it. And although those scars, just like Harry's scar protected him, although those scars have protected me, they're not protecting me anymore. They're hurting me. Those scars, that trauma, it's hurting me. 
It's keeping me. It's letting that voice in. It's letting that negativity in. It's keeping me in this place. And it's a part of me. And I will tell you personally as a Christian, like for me with my faith walk with with the big man, like um, this was revolutionary for me because I had such a distaste and you guys know this from growing up in an environment of, you know, Christian schools and all the do this and do that and all the things that I shared in that episode. Um, This was such a breakthrough for me because in that moment, not only did I realize I was living in my trauma. But I realized that I'm not fully accepting myself in the way that I so often tell other people that they should, that I'm not loving myself in the way that I say I believe I do because I'm living in that trauma and in that scar. And there is nothing wrong with that. I'm not shamed about that. I'm not shamed by that. But what I realized in that moment was if I didn't start to force myself in small little ways to lean into happy moments, to lean into when you feel that joy come into your spirit or your mood or your day and it comes in and you're hopeful, instead of shutting that down and saying, Amanda, come on, like focus on what you have to do. Like, yay you, okay? Or if I don't lean into the moment of the joy of the thought of, hey, I'm going to Disneyland in 28 days. Isn't that really exciting? without this fear in the back of my mind that inevitably something will happen to someone I love or inevitably something will go wrong. If I don't lean into that at some point, I am not going to live. I'm going to stay like Harry, letting that voice in constantly. If I don't die on some level and heal that trauma by letting it go and start telling myself that you get to be happy, which sounds so trite to me, It sounds so trite because I've seen so many memes that are like, you deserve happiness. And I'm like, yeah, well, duh, everybody does. Everybody deserves happiness. Of course you do. Be happy. Like, hello. Not realizing that I was not choosing that for myself. And I don't know how many of you all are living in your trauma daily. And what I mean by that is some of us might still be experiencing trauma, right? Okay, on some level. And that's okay. That's okay if you're in that trauma and those scars are keeping you. My ability to dissociate was started in second grade when my mom looked at me at the top of the stairs and she said, have your brother call 911. Something is wrong. And the paramedics came and they took her away and she went to a mental institution for three months. Okay, because when you're eight years old, And I share this with you because I think it's important. I think it's important that you see somebody that had trauma that impacted them, that's on that journey, that's finding that happiness, that's changing themselves as a parent, that's changing themselves as a human. And you realize that that's there for you too. That you deserve nothing less than that too. But my ability to dissociate at such a young age and train myself up in that way, especially with my brother's addiction, I'm telling you, it kept me sane. But for most of my life now, I don't need to dissociate because I'm not living in that trauma. I need to engage in the happy around me. And that's a beautiful place to be. And some of us don't even recognize we're still treating our life as if we're in the trauma because that's how we've been for so long. It's second nature. It's what we know. You might not even know it because I didn't know it until this session looked at my therapist and she looked at me and I said, 
holy balls. I literally said to her, holy balls. Like I just sat there. We just sat there and I stared at her and she stared at me and I was like, this changes everything. And it's funny how movies can be so impactful like that. How I was sitting in that session and I have not seen Harry Potter in months. Like we watched um, The Sorcerer's Stone probably like four or five months ago. Um, Cause I just, I, I mean, I get hankering for Harry Potter, but in that, I can't help now, but every time I think of that movie, think of watching his journey of trauma. And I can't tell you how much I relate to him for the fact that Harry literally starts the movie in a closet. And that's been my safe space since I was a child. And I didn't grow up in a disruptive home. My parents both loved on me. I was not beat as a child, but my trauma manifested and showed up in other ways. And so the closet just became this very quiet, safe um, space to me. So to see Harry in a closet, I'm like, oh my gosh. And to watch him develop and that scar be such a help to him for so long. But in the end, he could not have killed Lord B and that evil in his life that had haunted him for so long. And I now can only see Lord V as the trauma in our lives. That is what I view him as. He represents Harry's first trauma and my mind is freaking blown because the trauma represented with all the negativity in Harry's life, right? All the toxicity in Harry's life. And it's sad because you also see how so many of those characters on that side were pulled into it, right? And then you watch his trauma again be manifested by things attached to Lord V, Bellatrix and Sirius. That whole thing. I will tell you, I cannot get into the anger I felt when that happened. But then, do you know what you notice that is a huge part of Harry's journey? Yes, in the end, Harry has an army of people surrounding him. I truly believe, supporting him, there for him, battling for all of themselves. But through the movie so often, and I, I, yes, he had Hagrid, and yes, he had, you know, Dumbledore, and yes, he had McGonagall and all these people, but he had his two besties. That's who he had, two people. And I always think of this, and again, whether you're a Christian or not, I always think of this scripture where two or more are gathered. And I can tell you through my life that it has never been about numbers for me when it comes to people. I think quality trumps quantity every single day of the freaking if I can have one person and I think of them there with him and what they've gone with him on that journey and how they have weathered that storm with him. And we're getting a text message. Um, and I think of how special that is. And I think of Ron and Hermione and what they represent for him. And it literally makes my heart so happy because he had that support. And I think that sometimes we all feel really lonely, right? And maybe we don't feel like we have anybody in our corner. And I know that I don't know you all personally, okay? I don't even know who actually knows me in real life that listens to the podcast, if anyone but I know to me, you all are family. 
And if you don't feel like you have someone in your corner with your trauma, I want you to know I am literally in your corner. I will be in everybody's corner. I am there. If you need to count one person, count me. Because we we don't want to stay in this state of trauma. We want to work on this together. And now some of us might not be ready for that step, right? Some of us might be on different journeys of this. But in me sharing this episode, I don't want to make this about me. I want the revelation that I had, this epiphany, this what I feel is life-altering realization, I want that to ripple out to whoever needs it. I want that to impact someone in any way. Whether that is realizing you have that person in your life, thank goodness, whether that means that you're going to actively seek out therapy, whether that means you're going to create better boundaries for yourself, whether that means you're going to make the change with your tiny people. Because I can tell you what, we're not going to be able to prevent all the trauma in our children's lives. In the tiny people around us, I have probably already on some level traumatized them in a way that they'll eventually have to work through. But what I can say is that the more that I heal myself, the more I can be of better service to them. The more I can change the way that I treat them. The more I heal my inner child, I can recognize them as people. I tell you the clarity that comes when you start to actually actively see the tiny people in your life as people. When you start to actively recognize that the relationships represents who they are. Even in friendships, when you can start to say, hey, I don't necessarily agree and we don't necessarily agree. I realize where this comes from, but we can still meet here. You're an individual. I'm an individual. When we start to realize that we can create, demand, maintain, and are allowed to have boundaries. When you realize, like me, going back to therapy can literally be one of the best things you've ever done, even though it's the hardest, it's the scariest, it's messy, it's super messy, and I have many messy weeks ahead, right? But for the first time, I feel like I have clarity. It is this head above the clouds, next level. I I can't even describe it. And I share this with you because I love Harry Potter And there are so many correlations in that that I think, of course, you can make whatever you want, right? Like anyone can take anything and make it to fit their narrative. But what I'm talking about here is I don't want to live like the other shoe is going to drop. And I don't want you to be in that state not realizing it because I had no idea. You know, I'll tell you something real intimate. Blake and I, whenever we're getting ready to go to an event or whenever we're getting ready to go on a trip or he's going out of town, do you know I inevitably will not even trying to start a disagreement? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I will. And it's not picking a fight. I will be irritable about every little thing I will get. And I never understood this about myself, but I did it because I needed something to be disrupted. I needed my point of the other shoe dropping of something going wrong to be proven right. I needed that to be true. I needed that to be true because that created safety for me. Because that reaffirmed my trauma. Well, told you. Ooh, look, now we're having a disagreement. Mm, Nothing can be perfect. Nothing's perfect. And we all know nothing's perfect. But I was creating situations in which I could be proved right with my trauma. Because that security was and is, because I'm still working through it, the safety something I could rely on. I knew how to deal with that. I didn't, and I'm still learning how to deal with the happy. 
And that sounds really funny coming from someone who's like telling everyone to be joy- joyful. And I do, I am happy. But when it comes to events or things to lean into, I wasn't good about it for myself. And when you realize the behaviors you have are born out of pain and survival and trauma, you realize, oof, I feel like I'm very popular tonight. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> it's, but here's the point. I don't need to pick fights to prove myself wrong. I can lean into the happy, and this is my mantra, okay, so work through it. I can lean into the happy, and when something comes up, I can deal with it if necessary. And if something doesn't, I can enjoy the moment. I can soak that in. So I want to encourage you today with that. And I don't know if that meant anything to you. I don't know if you took anything from that. But you will be so surprised at when you start to heal your inner child, how many behaviors you don't even realize you're doing subconsciously that are literally born out of pain and survival. And I make it sound, survival sounds so dramatic to me. My life was not crazy, insane. Um, I did go through my mom constantly being hospitalized. 5150s was a conversation in our house that was always happening between my brother and my mother and my family and the drug addiction and the alcoholism that my family had and and other things. And so those those things we don't even realize impact us and motivate us and cause us to do things we can't even realize. We don't even know. So That's going to conclude our episode today. I can't believe I kept that under 40 minutes and proud of myself. I could go on forever, but I want to tell you this. If no one has told you lately, I love you. You are valued. You are worthy. You have exponential, limitless potential. And you deserve, absolutely deserve to find happiness outside of the safety of the trauma. And it's scary and it's terrifying and it might not work and it might fail, but you cannot give up on that. And you cannot let it continue to prove you right because that's what I'm working on. I'm working on that. So I appreciate you and love you so much. I'm grateful you're here. If you need someone in your corner, you at least have one person. And I want to let you know that if this episode resonated with you, tag me. It it just brings joy to my heart when I see you guys listening because I feel like, oh my gosh, I, we're, we're together. So, and if you feel like this could benefit someone, please send it their way. Um, I appreciate you. I love you. You're the best human being alive and you're killing it. And even if you're not killing it right now, you're going to be killing it at some point. So save that for a rainy day. Okay. Or save that for a really sunny day. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.